welcome to Maybe the Story in the podcast chronicling one grad student's quest to study for his comprehensive exams. And in this episode, I'm going to uh, make an explicit comparison between history and sociology. I didn't really understand what it was that I was doing in history until I had to explain it to other people and until I had to look at another academic discipline and really think about what they did that was different from what we did. And so in this part of my uh, preparation, I'm just going to run through some quick and dirty comparisons about the two disciplines that will help uh, me understand what's important about trying to speak to sociologists. I mean, there's plenty of historians out there who do great work without ever picking up a sociology book. And there's plenty of sociologists who do great work without caring about history. So why do I think that we should be talking together? First, what's the difference between history and sociology? If you're not in uh, a university, you probably don't really care. Uh, There were both people who read a lot of books and do research and uh, know a lot about very small areas of human interest. But I think that the history between the two disciplines actually matters because they tell us what uh, each discipline does that's special. My dinner party explanation is that history cares about how things happen, um, and sociology cares about why things happen. Now, more technically, uh, history is about studying particularity. Uh, We privilege going into archives, getting detailed information about particular places and times and processes, digging up you know, situations that never fully played out, facts that people have not realized are relevant to things. We we find the particular and we enshrine it. There's a certain task of history where what's valuable is simply bringing facts to light and putting them into a narrative. Sociology, on the other hand, is about drawing generalizations. The particular is a vehicle that we use to get to discovering generalizations about human behavior. Now, this leads to some of the criticisms that the two disciplines fling at one another. Uh, Sociologists say that history is just sociology with all the theory stripped out, and historians complain that sociologists use our discipline as a bag of facts. They take all of our really detailed and important work that we do, and they just, you know, loot it for, uh, you know, individual instances and say that our theory making is shoddy. And if you hang out in rooms with sociologists and historians, you'll notice us saying particular kinds of buzzwords in each room. History, we talk a ton about contingency. Contingency is one of those words, again, that I did not hear about until I got into grad school, but historians say it every day. I'm sure that I say contingency every day. Contingency means the particular assemblage of events, the particular intersection of events that makes something happen. When we say that an event is contingent, we say that it could have been otherwise. And it's a really important concept for us. We argue that tons of things are contingent, that you know, it's context that determines so much of what life is, that we can't draw these big, simple, uh, 
narrative arcs that see, for example, British history as the inevitable unfolding of liberalism, or see, uh, for example, the Anthropocene as the inevitable destruction of the earth by human technology. A lot of that stuff is contingent, dependent on particular moments of history that could have easily gone otherwise. Sociologists, on the other hand, say the word rigor a lot. That is a really well-chosen word because sociologists like to test their theories and they like to do so in methodologically really complicated ways, sometimes overcomplicated. If you look at a, uh, uh, a sociology uh, syllabus, you will see tons of methodological readings. Um, they have to learn advanced statistics and think about sampling plans. And when you're reading their articles, you'll see that in the middle of their articles where there should be beautiful narratives about people and uh, countries and animals. Instead, there are these massive graphs and data tables and robustness checks. So those initial uh, clarifications said, I just want to point out the really big thing that I think matters. As a historian, when I look at sociology, I am really driven by two things that sociology pushes me to think about my work structurally. It pushes me to think about how the stuff that I study can fit into larger processes. And furthermore, it pushes me to think about my work in the context of big questions about long-term social change. So now I'm just going to go into like a compare and contrast about what these things do differently. History is often faulted by sociologists for not being upfront about theory formation. We hide our theories kind of uh, in the craft of the historian themselves, but they're there. We think that uh, periodization is incredibly important. Periodization is the act of selecting from the facts at hand and making a story about it. It's rational insofar as we can critique one another about the shape of our periodization. We can say that particular periodizations, particular narratives are good or bad because they include some things and don't include what another. Um, we can critique them for beginning and ending in particular places. We can also critique them on internal coherence. Some periodizations don't make sense and others do. The other thing about periodization is that it's necessary. We can't do some important aspects of the job of being a historian, like writing a history textbook or giving a lecture class or even putting an individual work into a larger body of, uh, of work uh, without uh, having big ideas about periodization, about having ideas about what kinds of processes and what kinds of uh, structures matter for the long term. However, we also understand that although periodization is necessary, although it's rational, although it can be critiqued, there is no one good answer. It's not scientific insofar as we understand that there's many different correct choices. And the evidence, uh, even if you could gather all of it, would not point to any particular uh, periodization as the one best fit. That means that our arguments about why to select periodization sometimes boil down to politics. When we construct these narratives, we're making a political choice about what kind of stuff we think it is that it's important that people should know. The fact that this 
uh, podcast, my historical work looks at animals and objects and culture and society and doesn't pay a ton of attention to politicians or to uh, wars, is in part a political claim about what I think is necessary for people to know about the modern world. Now, there's other ways that we can think about uh, history's actual latent theorizing. Um, one idea is that we think that events matter, uh, and that they matter in particular sequence, and that these sequences are contingent. Um, this means that we don't see history as the blind unfolding of particular large processes, but rather the contingent development of a bunch of different kinds of events that happen momentously. It's not a slow unfolding, but rather a series of rumblings. Another really big theoretical uh, claim that historians stand by, we can think of when we think of what we really mean by contingency. Sociologists might understand our obsession with contingency as our, uh, a, a disagreement about causal homogeneity. Causal homogeneity is a basic assumption of theory building that says that all things being equal, similar causes in a social system will have similar effects. Uh, we can make generalizations about social life because we can assume that when you account for all of the uh, independent and dependent variables, when you control for all the control variables, you should expect things to look the same in, 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 in similar places. However, historians are really wary of causal homogeneity. We are constantly pointing to context, contingency. We're constantly saying that all of the stuff that sociologists leave out when they say all things being equal, causes will have the same effects, are never equal. That there's always extra stuff around that we can pay attention to. Now, of course, uh, this emphasis on contingency is often taken too far. We're, we, we, very few of us these days would take a really radical standpoint on causal uh, homogeneity and say that there's nothing that we can compare. However, we are still really, you know, genetically uh, 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 committed to this idea that context matters. So now let's look at sociology on the flip side. Sociology is uh, very upfront about their theory formation. When you read a sociology paper, it begins by a really detailed look into a bunch of different theories about different ways that societies change. And often these sociology papers are pitched as ways of making particular theories more sophisticated or work in different realms or just to show that they can work in certain things. Um, and to do that, they have the need of rigorously testing whether particular empirical facts justify particular theories. And again, this comes down to that methodology obsession that sociologists have. A lot of the work of sociology is in going out and collecting empirical data and then trying to make it scientific, trying to see how much we can prove these deep regularities of social life. Now, what can we learn from one another? I think that historians can learn some of those methods, some of those rigorous methods of testing whether empirical facts justify theories. And 
I mean, I don't want to say that this is just mere quantification. I do not want to go to a history where we are having the same sort of physics envy as, as some of the harder social sciences. I think that that is entirely uh, counterproductive. But I think that we should borrow from sociology the idea that we rigorously conceptualize our problems, that we think of how to model these problems, that we measure how these problems might happen over time, and we try to see whether they obtain by rigorous comparison. There's way too much history that goes on just by pointing out to one particular event and then saying, look, that's it. We need, I think, some degree of uh, ability to tell the scales of things. I mean, this shows up really when you uh, find people arguing for particular periodizations and not taking into account the scales of stuff. J.C.D. Clark is a great example of this. He argues for the presence of a confessional state over the long term in the 18th century and says that that justifies thinking of the 18th century as an ancient regime. But he ignores all of this other stuff that happens and if you don't look at the scale of it, if you don't see the number of people who are, uh, you know, going to church, if you don't think about all of the masses of people who don't show up in the archives, you can't really judge which one is right or wrong. Um, more prosaically, I think that historians can jump into problems that sociologists have brought up and uh, give a bunch of uh, context that sociologists might be missing. We have a wealth of data about historical change that can be useful for social scientists theorizing. Um, and also, sociologists can orient us uh, historians to big questions. Um, and the big questions that are motivating contemporary sociologists, like institutional isomorphism or inequality, not the, uh, you know, big questions that historians often are motivated by, which is the big questions of the 1900s. Um, sociologists, on the other hand, can also learn a ton from us. They can learn about our particular view of what history is. They can push a lot more for context that goes more than just a simple robustness test. They can, when, something that really irks me, um, look for longitudinal data. They can try to add the, the question of how things change over time to their theorizing. And furthermore, I think that there's a way where dealing with history on the long term can correct some of the imbalances in sociology's theorizing. It can, it can make sociology take a step back from its more imperious turns towards making gigantic causal theories. Stinchcone talked about this. He said that uh, what sociologists should do is instead of trying to make gigantic general theories, they should try to find deep causal analogies among sets of facts. It's not that there's a whole sequence of cause and effect that repeats itself over and over and over again. It's that there's different steps of causation that happen within deep, which we can make deep analogies about with other steps of causation. Um, it's most narrative history does this. We talk about how events go step by step by step, and sociologists might be able to learn from us. Um, thanks very much for listening to this last uh, theoretical um, 
episode about sociology and history and organizations. Um, thanks very much to Jonathan Lear for the music and Duncan Barton for the image. Thank you very much for listening. If you like the show, rate and review us on iTunes, share us on social media, tell a friend, tell me, tweet a question to me at at MackieTeacher, M-A-C-K-I-E-T-E-A-C-H-E-R. Thanks very much for listening, and tomorrow uh, we will be back for more. I will be doing another deep dive on the playlist. So.